This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, y'all. It's another Wall Harris Panther Rants podcast. And um, Monday morning is drive time. Let's <clears throat> start another week. You know what? It's weird. I mean, this past weekend, it was our first week with our college football. And to be honest with you, I really didn't notice it. <clears throat> I, really didn't, I really didn't notice that we were, we were without college football this weekend. Don't know how or why. It's kind of weird. I actually got, like, more stuff done this weekend than, you know, previous ones. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, you hear my turn signal. I'm on my way in the work. But, um, obviously Pitt and West Virginia squared off on Saturday on the backyard brawl as it returned. Pitt lost by nine. <clears throat> and of course, of course it could have been, you know, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, it was bad in the first half. To a point where I, I, I wasn't sure if they were going to break, you know, 20 points. Initially, I wasn't even going to watch the game at all. I was just going to watch um, Rudolph and Frosty, my kids. I mean, I still did, but I threw on the uh, the game on the ESPN app and watched it from there. But, I mean, to look at it, obviously, Pitt and West Virginia pretty much dominate Pitt in every category except for rebounds. Pitt actually out rebounded the Mountaineers. And they hit some, they hit some big shots down the stretch, and got to within you know two points, which was pretty big. But uh, in the end, at the end, in the end, West Virginia's you know experience, talent, all of the above, won out, and was the ultimate the you know ultimate deciding factor in this. Pitt did shoot more free throws, a lot more. But still, though, West Virginia was still up big despite all that. Not to mention having guys in foul trouble, though. As far as the game goes, when I watched it, I mean, the first half of me, it was bad. I mean, it was, it wasn't so much the game itself. It's just how the game flow. It was, you know, lots of fouls, lots of commercials. It, was, it felt like it was more commercials than actual basketball. The second half, though, eventually picked up. But Pitt, uh, you know, give them what they what they have. I mean, these guys are they're um, they got a lot of youth. They're gonna play hard. They're gonna be scrappy. But that's all you're really gonna see. So if you're expecting, you know, for them to be ranked or anything like that, yeah, that's not going to happen this year. And of course, you know, 
one person brought up, you know, he, he detects there's still some bitterness from a small bunch of Pitt fans. But if you think about it, if you look at how many fans Pitt plays in front of him now, you can say it's a lot of them. But to be fair, those fans, the former coach has his program ranked and undefeated. Whereas we need overtime to defeat Mount St. Mary's. So there you go. So that, I mean, that, that that's that's your bitterness right there. That's the reason for your bitterness. And you know, if you look at the uh, post game press conference, I mean, Stall- Kevin Stallings seemed pretty pleased with his team. You know, a lot of people, I guess, uh, Pitt fans were upset over Kevin Stallings and how he was with his players last year. But then at the other side of it, there's Bob Huggins, who pretty much, you know, he, he trashes players usually. And and, and one, at one time, I remember, when when Jamie, Jamie was here, people thought, you know, maybe if Jamie, you know, was like this with his players, you know, with yelling at them and talking about them in press conferences, then maybe he would get better results in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, there was those people that thought that. And, you know, if you think about it, they got that guy now. They got Kevin Stallings. They have him. But uh, there's a lot to be happy about with this with this pit team. I mean, these these players seem bought in, and I'm I'm sure they're not worried about all the negative vibes outside you know outside of everything. And if they you know if they stay together, they have some players coming in next year. You know they'll be better next. They'll be even a lot better next year. I mean, would be tournament team probably not. I'd say another after this year, probably another two three years. So um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, one thing is you know they got McNeese State coming next week, and they need to take care of business. They got to blow out McNeese State. Because the big boy pants should be off by now. After what they were able to do against West Virginia, they should be able to come and take care of Big State with no problem. They should need overtime to, to defeat Big State. And if they do, they're going to, you know, they're staying above 500. Hey, we accomplished something, right? We're at 500 at one point. And speaking of that former coach, well, let's get into this. TCUAD Chris Delconi left for Texas over the weekend. Kind of shocked me because Delconi's been there for so long. But this is a really good hire for Texas. Really good opportunity for Dalconi as well. Dalconi's been very has had a lot of energy. I mean, this guy works tirelessly. I mean, he did with Rice and right, you know, to point of Rice, you know, they went, they did win the uh, College World Series. He moves on a TCU and worked tirelessly there, and they they, they moved around a bunch of conferences. They uh, they were a non BCS team and they won a BCS bowl game. 
was against Wisconsin of all of all people. And he got them to a BCS conference, which was the Big East, with some help from Jamie Dixon. You know, Jamie was the big was a big help in that. He you know he sold Dalconi into getting TCU to go to join the Big East, but which basically means you're gonna you're gonna take some plane rides. What's the big deal? So the move is gonna solidify the Big East in football, obviously, and it was a good matchup. And of course, Pitt, you know, schools like Pitt, West Virginia, wanted to bring in another school to help you know, as like a kind of like a travel partner for these guys. You know, Central Florida was one option, so was Houston. Those were your two big options right there. And of course, the basketball schools and some football schools who suck up the basketball schools shot back with Villanova. Yeah. And that's pretty much was the end of the Big East. But all hope wasn't lost. He got them in the Big 12. And, you know, kudos to him. I mean, that program has been taken off ever since being in the Big 12. I mean, I was I was at TCU a few years back, maybe like five years back probably, for a graduation. I remember, I remember being in the basketball... Um, Arena, and it was like a glorified high school gym, pretty much. There was nothing to write home about. And the uh, the football stadium was in, was in process of, of being upgraded. All the upgrades were being put in at that point. That's a beautiful field too. Very beautiful field. But what does this mean for Jamie Dixon? Well. People are, just, people are wondering if, it, you know, if he would follow Dalconi. Well, for one thing, supposedly, some many people brought up the idea of Jeff Long taking over at TCU. And prob- it probably is not going to happen, given the fact that at the point, at the end of Long's tenure at Pitt, him and Jamie weren't even on speaking terms with each other. Nope. They weren't even talking to each other. So I don't see that happen. But on the flip side, for Jamie, if it does happen, he's got his way out if he happens to want to leave. And all he's got to say is, well, you know, I built TCU, got this program where they need to be, so I'm moving on. You know, this this next opportunity is really good. I wasn't going to leave until, you know, Things were all right here at TCU. So he got us out. But I really don't ever see him... Fall, I don't see him following Delconi to Texas. Mainly because Jamie's a TCU alum. I mean, that would be unheard of. Maybe not. But I just really wouldn't see him, a, a TCU alum, a guy who returned, quote-unquote, home after being a pit for so many years, going to Austin after a few years, you know, think you know things go. Only if someone like Jeff Long is brought in as AD and things go south. But like I said, he has his out. 
But, if, but really, if Jamie were to go anywhere, if he would decide to leave TCU, I doubt it would be Texas. If anything, it would be somewhere on the West Coast where his family is. You know, say if, some, say if the, UCLA, the UCLA job opens up, maybe in USC. If those jobs open up, then yeah, probably. But other than that, I think he's at TCU for a while. He's got some good going. They're ranked. They're being up on teams. He's got some good recruits coming in. So, yeah, I really don't see him ever leaving for a long time. Unless Shaka Smart. And plus, Shaka Smart is at at Texas. Shaka, obviously. He's in year three. He got them. I guess he had a weight record his first year. Last year they, they were losing. They lost pretty bad. You know, basically at the Montreal situation. I mean, Shaka's been to the Final Four, which Jamie has not been able to do. He's had Shaka's obviously had better torment swagger than Jamie has. But one thing that Jamie's always missed and has not gotten is the torment swagger. For some reason, he just you know it doesn't matter what what. If it's in a down year or what, his team just don't pick up in March. Whereas Tom Izzo, he can lose a whole bunch of players and he can have a you know a mediocre regular season. He gets in the tournament, he gets his guys to, into Elite Eight or Sweet Sixteen. Pitt, we can't get out of the first round, let alone first weekend. So, yep. And, you know, Kevin Stallings' just tournament resume isn't really better than Pitt's. So there's that as well, but whatever. Anyways, our next topic. The Heisman was decided over the weekend. Baker Mayfield wins it, obviously. The guy had a great year, and it was obviously, you know, going to be picked. Because the other candidates really didn't stand out. Although the running back for Wis uh, for not Wisconsin for Stanford, I would I would have liked him because he pretty much played most of your hurt. He had a bad ankle and he was running on it all year, and he put up those numbers. And I'm sure people, especially in the local media, are probably have their paintings in a bunch because Saquon Barkley didn't get invited. And, you know, for Saquon Barkley's part, you know, he's probably, you know, to me personally, I thought he was the best player in college football. But I felt his coaching staff let him down. Because teams started to pick up on Penn State's offense, at least the teams who had you know really good offensive uh, defensive lines, and you know no adjustments were really being made to get him the ball in different areas. But I mean, if you put Saquon Barkley in like a, to, to, to a Pitts offense, his numbers are probably a lot better. I think if they'd have put you know, Barkley more into a pro style formations to mix up a little bit. His numbers would have been a lot better. 
because he, a lot of games he put up mediocre numbers. And there were some games like early in the year that they were, they were, they were you know, the numbers weren't great because they were blowouts. But the problem is, is that his coach, not his coach, but his offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, for some reason had a hard on for Trace McSorley. It was hell bent on getting McSorley the ball all the time. In a lot of situations, you had your high, you had a your potential Heisman back. You had to get him the ball, and that's pretty much what you know kept hitting the game for most of it was the fact that the uh, Moorhead was hell bent on freaking Lane Trace McSorley winning the game. It was until he realized he had to get the ball to, to Barkley that uh, they eventually eventually pulled away. I mean, it bit him in the foot against USC. Where you know they, they decided to throw the ball late, and you know two you know two plays particular to one, where McSorley throws up his back foot, and it almost gets picked off, and then you figure he's gonna run the ball. You figure Morehead in the next play is gonna run the ball and just be done with it, go over time. Nope, has him thrown again, and USC catches on, picks him off. They end up winning the game. But yeah, Moorhead is pretty much he's, he, he did a lot good with Penn State's offense but there's a lot that happened that cost him that um, some uh, wins especially these two wins in particular this year but in 2008, LaShawn McCoy is the best back in college football and it got no hardware now he's 30 some yards away from 10,000 yards which for some reason I'm the only person who brings this up on Twitter that he's that he's closing on 10,000 yards. Nobody else really seems to care. But of course, what's posted there, but everybody be retweeting and everything else, retweeting, quoting, and blah 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 blah. But yeah, he's. I mean, McCoy's had a hell of a career, and um. Hall of Fame careers, we'll see. I mean, it depends how, how long he, how long he plays for more. I mean, this is when running backs start to do you know, their bodies start to break down. But I thought I thought his career would die in Buffalo, but it's he's done pretty well since then. He's he's closing on a thousand yards again. I mean, he's had some injuries, but I mean, he's still shady. He still runs. He does what they need him to do. The guy still has his moves. He's still quick. I mean, the guy still got that burst. I mean, that's just amazing how he just... He gets to the line, breaks away, and just boom. I mean, he still got that. That's that's awesome. I mean... He could play a few more years, and who knows how you know, how, far, how far he moves up that, that rushing chart. Uh, you know, obviously, the life is short. Just passed Randy Moss. Moss. This past weekend, and Larry's Larry's numbers would be a lot better if he had a really good quarterback throwing the ball. But he loves Arizona, and he's been very loyal to them. And I applaud him for it. I mean, if you want to be loyal, be loyal. But for you know, I mean, he hasn't really complained about no Super Bowl, whereas Andre Johnson and in, in Houston did. 
he complained about, you know, how, how things were going. And it's like, dude, you, you stayed in Houston. Oh, shit. Well, a rock just hit my windshield and put a big-ass dent. Well, not a big-ass dent, a nice little mark in it. Oh, that sucks. Well, that's why we have insurance. But I'll be uh, taking a picture of this and posting on something on Instagram. Or on Twitter. I don't have an Instagram. What the hell? But I guess what I'm trying to say is bigger things are for Sigma Barkley. If the, um, if obviously the Penn State uh, bug doesn't hit them. You know, where those running backs who, um, at Penn State who do well in college and then get drafted and of course things go south. Yeah, here I am uh, texting my texting uh, my quote unquote significant other. I'm not realizing I'm podcasting still. Sorry about that, guys. So, on a final note, my podcast. Um, it's now on iHeartRadio. So go and download iHeartRadio and you can catch shows like Clay Travis, Jason Whitlock shows, Shannon Sharp, and my show. What a shameless plug. But basically with iHeartRadio, what it really happened was this, this app gives you an option to, to apply to iHeartRadio. And, uh, which is what I did. And I think I applied for it like a year and a year ago, maybe, or two years ago. And I didn't get approved because what they do is they look at, they look at your, um, they look at how often you're up, uploading podcasts, their length, all that. Cause they're not going to, you know, I was doing like 15 minute podcasts, sometimes 10 minutes. And, um, they're not just gonna. They're not gonna throw stuff like that on for the hell of it. So I applied and uh, again, and uh, I got approved. And what's weird was I think I, I think I applied by accident because I remember hitting the button and I just like was checking the email and I'm like, ooh, okay. What does this mean for my podcast? Eh, probably just you know, instead of forty people listening, maybe fifty. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't mean, I'm not going to be breaking no internet money or any crap like that. I mean, it's just, any, any, I mean, if I can get on the iHeart, pretty much anyone can. I mean, shoot, you know, Chris P could probably get on, you know, the Chris and, the Chris, the Chris and Dan show could probably get on, 
And of course, just unscripted with uh, with Corey. Sometimes Jim or whoever he has on. They could probably get on too, too if they wanted. But yeah, anyone. I mean, if I can get on iHeart, pretty much anyone can. But anyways, I'll end it here. Have a good day at work and a safe commute and avoid rocks hitting your windshield. Hell to pit.